All right, so I'm excited. We are starting a brand new series. Anybody excited here today? I'm excited. We, we, we are sharing a brand new series, and our text really comes from, for this series, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. And you're like, Habba what? Habba who? Habba, anyway, Habakkuk. Pastor's Row is preaching from the Old Testament. Relax, we're just going to use it as a reference. Anyhow, <laughs> by the way, I'm preaching without notes. No, I'm not. I'm going to be preaching with notes today. Okay. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. And it reads this way. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I love that because if you understand anything about the Old Testament, what you would find is that Moses asked God to show him his glory. He says, God, I want to see your glory. And the Lord says, I can't show you my glory, but I'm going to let my glory pass you. And when he says that the glory of God passed Moses, what he says is that the goodness of God passed Moses. It continues to say that he, he interchangeably uses goodness and glory um, almost in a synonymous way. And he says, he says, my goodness will pass you. The glory of God will pass you, which is the heart's desire of our church, that the knowledge of the goodness of God will saturate all of New York City, all of Staten Island, beginning with Sprite, and anybody looking forward to a saturation in this city. And so, as we begin this series, I, I want to I be honest, because I think sometimes when we hear a message like this, we can easily fall into the pattern of hearing a command and hearing an instruction. But I really believe that God wants us to hear his heart. Listen to me. And, and, and I, I got to be honest, like Pastor Russ preached the paint off the walls last week. Anybody grateful for Pastor Russ? And Pastor Lisa preached uh, two weeks ago, an amazing message. And I wanted to come back with an amazing message like God's going to bless you. God's going to transform you. God's going to make a way where there was no way. God's going to bring down manna from... I wanted to preach that. That, that's what I wanted to preach, but I just felt like God wanted me to share a message that is very, very dear to his heart. I really, I think that if we were to ask God, God, what is it that you want us to do other than experience your love? I think he would tell us, he would whisper to us, God, what, what is it that you want us to do? What is it that you, other than experiencing your love for ourselves? I think that this is what he would whisper to us. He would say, Hey, I want you to share that love so that other people can experience it as well. I think that it, he would whisper that to our heart. He would say, hey, 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 now that you've experienced my love, come here, come here, come here. I want other people to experience it for, for themselves. I want them to experience it for themselves. Which is why I love this quote that is from Chris Hodges. He says, before you find Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. But after you find Jesus, your whole life is about sharing Jesus. I think that's worth saying again. I'm going to say it in Spanish. No, I'm not. I'm going to just repeat it again. It says, before, before you find Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. Antes de conocer a Cristo, tu vida entera es... All right, I made it up to there, guys. 
Before you find Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. But after you find Jesus, your whole life is about sharing Jesus with others. And the reason I want us to hear that, because I think that I want to make sure that we are hearing this message with the right filter. How many of you know that you could hear the same thing and everybody could hear it in so many different ways? Like, I love when people are like, Pastor Ro, you said, I'm like, that's not what I said. That's what you heard. Right? How many know that we could hear different things, but we could all hear it different ways? And I want to make sure that as we hear this message today, we hear it with the right filter, that we are listening to it with the right filter, that, that we're listening to it with God wanting to share his heart with us rather than God wanting to give us a command. I want us to hear that because sometimes what you're going to hear in the next couple of weeks may challenge you, what you may hear in the next a couple of weeks may may kind of pull you out of your comfort zone. Come on, somebody. It'll kind of pull you out of the boat, the safety uh, boat, and it'll kind of bring you into the wild waters of a storm and bring you into the wild waters of trusting God and not trusting in yourself. So a lot of what you're going to hear in the next few weeks may challenge your faith, may challenge what you thought, may challenge the way you see things, but I don't want you to hear it with the lens of condemnation or the lens of, of guilt trip, because I don't believe that faith is a guilt trip. Come on, somebody. I, I genuinely believe that God doesn't want us to hear this like soldiers getting ready to go to war. Amen. I don't think that that's what God wants to hear us to hear it. I think that there's a time and there's a place for that, and I think that that's important. But I think that the way God wants us to hear this is not like we're like, I want you to hear this and I want you to just get ready and be on duty and get ready to, to, to go to war. I think he wants us to hear this through the lens of love. What I mean is that if my son was ever in a burning building, I'm not going to be like, um, it's my obligation to go rescue my son from this burning building. Well, I'm a soldier and so I got to do my duty and I got to be faithful to my call and so I'm going to go rescue my son. No. I want us to hear this the same way the, the, the same way the Apostle Paul experienced it. He says, I'm not obligated. I'm compelled. So, so when we see a burning building, the, the reason that a parent runs to the burning building without any care Listen, my son ever, my daughter ever fell off the ferry boat. I don't know if I could swim or not. We're about to find out because I'm jumping overboard and let the shark, let the whale, let any kind of fish come. Not because it's obligation and duty, but because I'm compelled by love. I am compelled by love. And this is the heart of Paul who encountered the love of God. He's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. He goes on to say, woe is me if, if I don't preach the gospel. He goes, God forbid if I don't preach the gospel. I'm so compelled by God's love that I have no other choice but to share the love of God, but to share this message of God's grace. And so I need you to know something about Christ Uncensored House of Worship. For those that are watching online, I need you to know something about our church that we decided over 10 years ago that we weren't going to be the kind of church that caters to just church people. We aren't going to be the kind of church that just caters to church people. We, 
we decided long ago that we were going to be the kind of church that does everything in their capability to share the love of God in an unadulterated way to the world around us. That people who are in need of love, people who are in need of grace, people who would never step into the four walls of a church building would experience the love of God, the unadulterated, the unfiltered, Christ uncensored love of God for themselves through our life. So I need you to know that about our church. And so a few times a year, we decide that we're going to make a big ask from our church community to go and share the love of Jesus with other people. And so we, we kind of position ourselves. One of them is Easter and another one is in our friends and family Sunday. So at least two times a year, if you've never invited anybody to church, we as a church collective say, hey, we're going to do our very best to saturate this city with the knowledge of God the same way the waters cover the sea. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so this is our text for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 and 23. And this text is, is, is going to be read in the message translation, and I hope you don't mind that. Because the message translation in this instance, uh, the reason I want to use it is because the person that wrote the message translation, which is Eugene Peterson, he passed away a few years ago. And Eugene Peterson is a Greek scholar, and he said, I want to, I want to write this, this paraphrased version of the Bible because what I've realized that many of my students don't understand the Greek. And so even when you translate something word for word, you don't fully get the meaning. And so I wanted to write this paraphrased version of the Bible so that in the English language, we could get the oomph of what you would understand in the Greek. Does that make sense to somebody? Does that make sense? So, so he kind of writes this paraphrased version of the Bible. And it's, it's something along these lines that what you hear now in the English is kind of the impression that was understood in the original language. Make sense? And he says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, even though I am free of the demand and the expectation of everyone, there it goes, I'm not in no obligation. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized. I love this word, whoever. Anybody grateful that God has a whoever kind of love? I mean, he has a whoever kind of love. Like, I don't know about you, but I would, I would actually advise people not to have a whoever kind of love. Like, I'm just like a sometime kind of people love. You know what I mean? It's like Jesus has a whoever kind of love. And the Apostle Paul embraced, he says like, listen, I've become a servant to all so that whoever. He says, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. In other words, that I was in the midst of people that didn't know their identity, but I made sure that I found my identity in Christ Jesus. It says, but I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I became just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And so my message to us today, if you're taking notes, I want, to write, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, then you should leave right now. I'm just joking. You should take notes. <laughs> but my message title is this, that if we're going to saturate 
this city, if we're going to saturate this world, if we're going to saturate starting at West Bryan, you got to know this thing. It starts with one. It starts with one. Would you pray with me? Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Let's take this moment just to really hone in on what God wants to speak. God, I thank you. Thank you that you're speaking to our hearts today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that, um, that we get to do this, that we get to sit and soak in your presence. Lord, would you, would you speak the language that our hearts would best understand today? Would you speak in a way that would compel us? Lord, I know that my words, my speech can't do anything for anybody, but through your Holy Spirit, it can do what everyone needs in this room. So we bless your name, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Why don't you give God a praise in this house? Um, have you ever heard of the, uh, the story of the starfish? Anybody ever heard the story of the starfish? Well, if you haven't heard it, I want to share it with you. And I found this story to be fascinating. And it's essentially there's thousands or hundreds and thousands of starfish that brushed upon the seashore. And what happens is, is that there was all maybe miles of starfish on a seashore. And at that time, a young kid comes to the seashore and the young kid picks up a starfish and he says, oh, wow, I got to get them back into the ocean. And so what he does is he grabs the starfish, he bends down, he picks it up and he throws it into the sea. Now he goes to the next one, he grabs it, he picks it up and he throws it back into the ocean. And then what continues to happen, he does this for about maybe an hour or so and an old man comes over to him. Old man, by the way. Old man? Is 41 old? I don't think a 41 is old one. By the way, thank you, everybody. I was 41 last week, but I felt like I was 21. Come on, somebody. Um, and so the older man comes up to him and he says, son, uh, what is it that you're doing here? He goes, no, I got to get these starfish back into the water because from what I understand is that if the sun comes up and it starts scorching, these starfish are going to die. Well, the older man looks at him and he says, son, do you know what you're doing right now? Like, there's no way you're going to be able to save all the starfish. He goes, look how many starfish there are. There's no way that you're going to be able to make a difference. There's no way that you're going to be able to save these starfish. There's miles and miles of starfish that we need to, that you're going to have to be here all day. You can be here all night and you're still not going to be able to make a difference. And I love the young man because at that moment he was kind of like discouraged. He's like, man, I, I. but then he grabbed the starfish Picked it up, he looked at it, he threw it to the ocean, and he says, tell that one I'm not going to make a difference. Because I just made a difference in that one's life. I think that we can quickly see the moral to the story. That hey, it might be a whole lot that has to get done. There might be hundreds and thousands of starfish that we have to get back into the water. But, but the way you make a difference is not maybe you won't be able to reach every single one of them and you won't be able to save every single one of them. But the, the way you'll make a difference is by doing it one by one by one. How many are grateful that we serve a God with this kind of heart? That God has always been the God of one. 
I think that when we hear this message about saturating our city, and I think that God wants to do just that, that God wants to saturate Staten Island with the love of Jesus, that God wants to saturate this region with his grace, that God wants to saturate this entire city, this entire country with his love, the way the waters cover the sea. I think God wants to do that, but I think he would say, hey, if you don't know where to start, I got, I got news for you. You can start one by one. One by one. That's the heart of our God. That the heart of our God is, is the God that, that, that says, I'm going to go for the one. I'm going to go after the one. You might think it's not making a difference, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, do you know that? Whoever believes in him, I really believe that if only one believed in him, he would have done it all over again. That he is the God of one. That when he began to explain himself and identify himself, he was explaining it from the, he didn't say I'm a, I'm a shepherd that would just sit back and have a hundred sheep and if I lost one, then I'd be good with the 99 and I'm comfortable there I still got 99 sheep no he says I'm gonna go after the one he didn't say well you know I'm just I'm gonna start my ministry and when Peter gets it together and when my boy Matthew stops uh, uh, robbing people with tax collecting then then I'll finally let them follow me no he went one by one and encountered his disciples he doesn't see that two billion people in this world have subscribed to the religion of Christianity and have proclaimed faith in Jesus and our followers of Jesus and over 30 30 over 33 percent of the world has proclaimed faith in Jesus and he doesn't say, well, that's good enough. That's fine. We have, we have settled it all. It is complete. No, the Bible says that he doesn't procrastinate to his promise, but he is actually patient. Why is he patient? He's patient to fulfill his promise so that none would be lost and all will come to repentance. He says, I'm waiting for the one. Oh, but there's one more. Oh no, but there's one more. I know we got a thousand. I know we got 2000, but there's one more. I I don't know about you but that excites me is anybody grateful in this place that you were that one you were that one that he didn't say to you oh I'm waiting for you to get it together he said I'm gonna go and counter you I'm gonna chase you down I'm gonna hunt you down wherever you are you were in the club you were in the in, in the dirt you were in the somewhere else and he says I'm not gonna wait for you to come to me I'm gonna go to you anybody grateful in this house that we serve a God he says, I'm going to go for the one. That's what he says. He's the God of, of the one. And that, that, that really excites me because it, it shows me that he wants to saturate our city. He wants to saturate West Brighton. But he does it one by one. And I think that if you were that one, that you're called to that same journey. I think he invites us not to be part of a mission. He invites us really to experience his heart. Listen to me very carefully. Because I, I, I want to I make sure that you're hearing what I'm saying and not hearing what I'm not saying. Someone's going to walk out of here. Pastor Rose say we don't have to have follow commands. We don't have to be on mission. Shut your mouth in the name of Jesus. That's not what I said. But I just think that we are so often eager to follow a command when God is looking us to be led by his heart. 
We're looking for instruction, but God is saying, do you know my intention? Which brings me to my first point. And the first point I really want to emphasize is, is just bringing the emphasis where it matters. How many of you know that if you have a recipe, but if you put a larger measure of, of one of the ingredients in the, in the recipe, how many of you know that you can ruin the whole recipe? You know what I'm saying? Like if you got arroz con gandules and you put a little bit too much water, you got rice soup. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happens oftentimes. We emphasize on the wrong thing. We put a greater measure on what's not supposed to be taking the precedence. And so when I share our heart on evangelism today, I want you just see it from the lens of we're putting greater emphasis on something. And here's the greater emphasis. Here's the first one. Write this down. It's heart before command. Estoy sudando la gota gorda y estoy temblando aquí. Heart. I heard the Spirit of God tell me this. Ro, you're rushing to the command. I need you to sit with my heart. See, I think that we can do the right thing with the wrong heart. And I think so often we are, we are rushing to obey and God is saying, but you're still undermining my heart. We're rushing to instruction. God is saying, you're overlooking my intent. Anybody got children in the house? I remember when, when Bishop was a younger age and he was jumping on the bed. That's like the infamous thing of a child when they're young, right? It's like there's no more, there's nothing more funner, if that's a word. There I go, Ruben, inventing words again. Then jumping on, so he's jumping on the bed and I walk in the room. I say, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you stop jumping on the bed? He says, Okay. I walk out, I go back to my business, I hear the noise again, to which I go back and I said, hey, I told you to stop jumping on the bed. He said, I'm not jumping, I'm running. <laughs> How many of you know that he, he followed my command, but he missed my heart? And so I think so often we are, we are jumping to an instruction, but all the while missing out on the intent. And I think that, church, can I just tell you this? More than God looking for your discipline to obey him, he's looking for your desire to have his heart. Can I just show you the heart of Jesus? Luke chapter 9, 19 verse 10. It says, for the son of man came to seek. The son of man, Jesus, he came to seek. He came to search. He came to look for. He came to go after and save, rescue, transform, change. He came to rescue. He came to change that which has, had been lost. That's the heart of God. The heart of God. That's what he wants us to align with him today. That we would have this same heart. That we would go after. That we would search. That we would seek and come and rescue that which has been lost. Not like, not like a soldier on a mission, but like a father looking for the son that he lost. Ezekiel chapter 33, that's the second Old Testament verse in this message. Come on, somebody. As surely as I live, says the sovereign God. This is God talking. I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. Ooh. He says, I take no pleasure even of wicked people, of people that you wouldn't, 
You wouldn't look after of people you don't even like, of, of people that you don't even want to be associated with. I don't take pleasure in their death. I don't take pleasure in their demise. I don't take pleasure in their, in their faith. I don't take pleasure in, in that. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so that they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness. But, but what? here's why, here's why, here's why. I don't want you to just turn from your wickedness so that you can say, well, I'll, I'm not wicked anymore. No, it's so that you, can ex- so that, so that you wouldn't die. And according to John 10.10, 10, that you would have life and life in abundance. He says, I don't rejoice when wicked people die. But look what he does rejoice in Luke chapter 15, verse 7. It says, Heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who haven't strayed away. Listen to me. This is the heart of our heavenly father. And when we disconnect the command from the heart, we will always produce religion. When we disconnect the command from the heart, we will always produce legalism. We will always produce a pharisaical zeal. See, when Paul was sharing his faith, he wasn't sharing his faith to put his discipline and his devotion on display. He was sharing his faith because he wanted to reveal his passion. So when we share our faith, it's not to, it's not to put our discipline and our devotion and our ability to follow a command on display. The reason that we're sharing our faith is because we're revealing the heart of the Father. See, Paul was compelled. Paul, Paul wasn't, he wasn't like, I'm gonna, I gotta do this because I, I, I've gotta do it. No, he was compelled by love. He was compelled by grace. He was compelled by the mercy of God. He, he, could, he, he could tell us today, I, wa- I was lost, man. I was so lost because I was lost. I was lost than lost. Because the only thing lost than lost is being lost and thinking you're found. Because he was lost. Yet he thought he was found because of his devotion, because of his dedication. Do you remember when he was going to Damascus? He was obeying a command. He was operating out of zeal. He was operating out of discipline. And he would tell us there was once upon a time that in my effort to be disciplined, in my effort to be zealous, in my effort to be devoted, man, I encountered the love of God and he showed up. I was running towards him, but I was really running away from him and he showed up in my life. And then he begins to say things like this. I am convinced that nothing could separate me from the love of God. Do you see what compelled him? He would say things like, I pray to the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that you would know how high, how wide, how deep God's love is for you even though you can never imagine it like you don't even understand how God's love is it's like it's so big it's so tremendous I pray that you receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can maybe understand the love of God he'll continue to say you can prophesy you can preach you can do all that but if you don't have love in your heart I think he would tell us his heart over command I want us to saturate West Brighton I want us to saturate Staten Island. I want us to sat- saturate Brooklyn and New Jersey. See, some of you guys got more excited about Brooklyn than Staten Island, but I forgive you right now. It's like, you should have just said Brooklyn. I was... I 
I think that's what God wants, but he wants us to do it one by one. And he wants us to do it not being compliant to a command, but being captured by his love. Being compelled by his grace. Lord, would you give us that heart today? I don't want to move to the second point. Would you give us that heart today? That we would see people the way you see them. That we would not take pleasure in the demise of the wicked. That we would see them with the heart of a father that has lost their son. Lord, help me as the pastor of this church to see people the way you see them. That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's my love. That we would fall in love with West Brighton the way you have fallen in love with West Brighton. That, you have, that, that we would fall in love with Staten Island the way you love Staten Island. That we would align our hearts with the heart of the Father right now, Lord. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a praise? I think the second thing we can take as an observation is this. Serve before convert. Serve before convert. And what I mean is that you can serve someone before you try to convert someone. Mm. I think God wants us to align our motives with his heart. But I think, I think he, would say, hey, he would say heart before command. And then he would say, serve before convert. And there's so many ways that we can share our faith. But I think one of the greatest examples of sharing our faith is not looking to convert someone. It's actually looking to serve someone. And I think so quickly we are rushing to save people like we can convert them on the first conversation. Like there's so many, there's so many of God's people like I want you to think about this for a second. Maybe this is why the emphasis is on the wrong thing. Maybe this is why we've gotten it wrong throughout the years. It's because we want to have this microwavable approach to sharing our faith. Can I tell you something? Witnessing takes time. I've been working on people for years. Come on. Like, there's people that they don't know. They're on my list for eight years. I've been praying for them for eight years. I've been serving them for eight years, and they don't even know it. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. And, and here's what I think what happens. I think sometimes we have convinced ourselves like, oh, you know what? You know what it is? The reason that people don't follow Jesus is because, you know, their hearts have been hardened and they don't want to hear the gospel and, and their hearts are. No, no, no. What if what if it's not the world's heart that has been hardened? What if it's the church's heart that's gone cold? I'm just what what filter are you hearing this with? All right. Just making sure. Okay. I wonder if it's the church heart that's gone cold. And so we try to microwave this thing because we don't want to spend time with people serving them. 
And it's so easy, and I'm including myself in this, no judgment here. You're not allowed to feel judged here, all right? So if you feel judged, shake it off. ¿Sabes qué? <laughs> but, but I want to be here. Sometimes I have to sit Bishop down and have some serious talks with him. It doesn't mean I don't love him. It just means that I know that this is the season of his life where God is calling him to step up. And so sometimes I have to have those difficult talks with him. I have to have those difficult talks with my daughter. We just had the high school talk. talk. God, pray. Lord, pray for me right now. That prayer had to be so strong, I had to say, God, pray for me. Come on. <laughs> this, is what, this is what Pastor Rose is doing now with God's children. He says, hey, man, like God has, God has called us to do this. God has called us to do this. And I think sometimes we've convinced ourselves that it's the world that has gone cold. But I think sometimes it's the church that has gone cold. Their hearts have been hardened to see people transformed and healed and changed. And so, it, so we kind of uh, adopt this microwave kind of like speed track evangelism. And we got to make sure, well, okay, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then there's packets about it. There's tracks about it. And they just, it's just a speedy Gonzalez kind of delivery of the gospel. Okay, hey, hey how are you? Hey, how, how, how are you? Ha, ha, knock, knock. Do you know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Okay, so I got to witness them. Okay, so I got to witness to them. So I got to tell them, I got to tell them they, they're in sin. Okay, they're in sin. Hey, you're, you're a sinner. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's, we're all sinners. It's okay. You're a sinner and, and you need to turn away from your sin. That's what I need you to do. Sin, you need to turn away from your sin. Yes, sir. What's your name? James. How are you, James? James, you're a sinner. And James, you need to turn away from your sin. So that means no smoking, no sexing, same sex, opposite sex, whatever sex. You need to make sure you're not drinking, clubbing, you know, twerking. Um, you got to make sure you stop all your sinning. What if I don't want to? Ah, oh, James. James, I didn't want to go there. But James, if you don't turn away from your sin and your wickedness, you will burn in hell for all eternity. Eternity. What? Eternity, eternity, eternity. Billions and billions of years. And it would not begin to scratch the surface of how long you would burn. So what's the other option? Well, if you turn from your sin, then you can experience the love of God. And that is the presentation. And of course, I'm being facetious. But in some form, that's what the presentation of the gospel looks like. And next week, we're going to unpack it in much more depth. Because oftentimes, we don't even know what the gospel is. 
It's like we've got to preach the full counsel of the Lord. It's like, you don't even know what that means, brother. It's like we've got to share the gospel. You don't even know what that means. We've got to make disciples. We don't even know what that means. So this is, the, this is the truncated version of what the gospel looks like, not realizing that the gospel takes time. Oh, do you, have you ever met Peter? Three years with the man himself and still denied him after three years. And you're trying to get this done in three minutes. We're trying to get this done in three minutes. You got to understand the gospel takes time. The gospel takes time. The gospel takes time. Come on, somebody. And so, so often we try to have a Speedy Gonzalez version and a, a version of this. And so we're trying to like nail, like we're trying to get it on the first try. And God is saying, hey, how about you start with just serving them? Oh, you, by the way, the, church, the world is hardened. You know what softens a hardened heart? Serving. Serving. There was once a wife who did not want anything to do with her husband. She says, it's over. She went to her counselor. The counselor says, hey, this is all I want you to do. I want you to make believe like you love him. I want you to get back at him. Make believe like you love him and start serving him and start making him his favorite dinner and start loving him. And just when you've got him right there, I want you to tell him, it's over. <laughs> so the girl goes and does that. And as she's serving... Her husband, she realized that her heart started softening and her husband's heart started softening. And she could not complete the mission of chucking the deuce to her husband because in serving, her, her husband fell in love with her and she fell more in love with her husband. So, so serve before converting. And, 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 and again, if we disconnect it from the heart, what we'll get is legalism. What we'll get is um, just compliance. What we'll get is um, pharisaical tendencies. But what God wants is for us to possess a heart of serving. And when you look at Jesus, they brought a woman that was caught in adultery. And they say, look. She was caught in adultery. She was out there twerking. And it wasn't her husband. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? You know what Jesus' response is? It wasn't mine. What? You were doing what? Where who? Where? How? And he caught it on Insta? He, he, he didn't rush to make sure that she, he, 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 he let her know, like, oh, man, you should, you dumb. How are you going to commit adultery? You know what the penalty of adultery is. You're going to get stoned. And I ain't talking about, I'm talking about rocks, boom, stoned. I'm talking about some serious, like, you're going to get stoned. Rocks to the faces until you die. Like, what do you, no, you know what the Bible says? He does nothing. They're like, hey, what are you going to do about her? The Bible says he ignores him. He ignores, ignores him. What are you going to, she ignores. And after being pestered after a while, he says, who, who, you got, anybody don't got sin? I'm the only one without sin. If you don't got sin, 
chuck the first stone. It says one by one they began to drop the rocks. And I think that that's what the church needs to do today. They need to learn how to rely on the rock of ages and drop the rocks that they have in their hands. Okay, Margie, Margie, are you here? Can you come here, Margie? Can we give it up for Margie? Margie, you said I have to put you on this. Margie, Kalapalakopoulos. <laughs> I try to pronounce her name. I, I want to I share her story. This is where I don't need you to be compelled. I need you to obey. <laughs> Can we give it up for Margie? Um, she shared something with me, and I think that the Holy Spirit is going to use her life to, to, to witness to so many people. And by, by the way, when you, when, when, when you don't want to be a preacher, that's a good sign that you're called to be a preacher. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Okay. I love you. <laughs> but um, I know Margie for over a decade. And all I would do is go eat. What French would I? fries. French fries. And, and, would, and yeah. drink water and sit drink there water. for hours. Because I was cheap. And so, no. <laughs> no, but I would sit there. And I would have meetings with other people. And I would talk to other people. And I know her for, again, over 10 years. She knows me, man, when I was, like, young, young. And one day, watch this, she knew where to go. She goes, you guys, tell me about this Jesus. Okay, what happened? <laughs> I'm telling it wrong because I'm trying to get her to speak. Go ahead. One night, I was there by myself, and no one was in the store, and this one walks in with a crew that I've never seen him with people before. And I was just, like, lost in my thoughts, texting back and forth with my sister. I was at a point in my life where I was, like, lost, and I've always felt alone since very young. My parents had me when they were 17. They were forced to get married, then, married and then... They were torn apart by their families. So I was alone. So I got married young, had children, got divorced, alone. And I was just lost in myself, and I came to a point where I was like, this is crazy. I cannot be alone. Like, what, what am I doing? It, I thought there was a God. There's no God. So I was texting back and forth with my sister. Now I'm born and raised Greek Orthodox, and my sister left our church and became a born-again Christian. So I was asking her, what is that? I said, is God there? <laughs> she said, yes, you just have to believe. You just have to know that you are not alone, and that has been your strength all, this, all these years. And I said, no, I'm my strength. Wow. I've been on my own since I'm 13. And I'm just going back and forth doodling on a piece of paper. That day was May 15th. And he walks in. And I don't know why I like, spoke to him. I'm like, what do you do? 
He was like, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and then I was just babbling and babbling and babbling. He was like, okay, can, I, can we pray for you? And that was it. I lost it. I was this clavicle crying because of him. And then he gave me an invitation. And I drove down here so many nights, and I was lost. I was like, where did this man send me to, to an abandoned warehouse? <laughs> I was like, what am I doing over here? These people are going to be looking up, look, I'm looking like to score something. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> so I would go back home, and I was like, all right, let me try this again next week. Same thing, and I'm texting Lisa. I'm like, yeah, I tried to go. I'm just like, I can't find it. So one day I said, you know what? At 9 o'clock in the morning, I said, let me drive around there and see where this building is. I found it on the other side. When we invite people, we have to say, it's on the other side. So I walk in. He invited me. The invitation was on May 15th, 2021. I walked through the door May 15th, 2022. Can you imagine? And I've been here ever since. And I can say that this event, invitation from Pastor Rowe had a, an impact on my life that it changed my thoughts, how I process things, how I look at people, how I allow people, my boundaries. Wow. It just changed everything. Amen. Everything. And I know now that I am not alone, Amen. that I was never alone. No, thank you. Come on, give it up for Margie. The invite was a year before she ever stepped foot in the room. You don't have to seal the deal in one shot. But everywhere we go, we are sharing the love of God. Here's my last point with our life with our life. And I, and I, wanna, I want us to just grab this right here. So every, if, if you don't have one of these, can you just raise your hand and our team is going to bring you it as the worship team comes up. I need, you, I need everyone to grab one of these because again, I, I really believe that God is not just calling some of us to do this. I really believe he's calling all of us to do this. Can our host team, there's a lot of hands that have gone up. And what this is, is that this is our prayer request for our one. And all it says is that I'm praying for, and I want you to write three people. I want you to write the name of three people. And I know there's some people that are like, oh, I got it in my head. I'm just going to pray for them. No, there's something about when you, when you write it down, you just solidify it. And you write those three people down. Oh, by the way, do you know that last year, you know who was on my list last year? My little brother, Rodolfo. You know who started Matrix this year? Yeah. 
I could have said, well, I'm just, I always pray for him. No, I want you to write it down. And this is what we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for the three names I've listed before you. I pray that you fill their hearts with your love. And that they would have a love encounter with you. I ask you to use me and give me an opportunity to share my story and invite them to church. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to place this on your refrigerator or maybe in your Bible, wherever you're going to see it the most. If, it's, if you ain't going to see your Bible the most, then put it on your refrigerator. <laughs> place it. I want you to pray it every day. Literally would take 30 seconds of your life. 30 seconds. Just look at it. Pray for those three people every single day. You're going to see what happens. Because on Friends and Family Sunday, can we put up that flyer? December 3rd, we're going to make a big invitation for this day. And you're going to bring your friend that you've been praying for. You're going to bring them. Don't give them an option either. Say, hey man, I want to take you out for dinner, but I want you to come with me to church first. Serving, remember, serving. Serving first. Not just complex. Let's serve them. Hey, I want to, hey, can I pick you up? Can I pick you up? Can I give you a ride? Might take you leaving your house 30 minutes earlier just to make a difference in someone's life for eternity and you make the invite and on that day I'm going to ask if you don't know Jesus would you like to know him and when they raise their hand I'm going to say everybody I close every head bowed and listen to me listen to me I'm going to give you permission to open one eye And look at your friend stepping into the master's love. My last point is this. Our life before our words. The gospel must be preached with our words. But I think that what sets and softens up the soil for the gospel to be preached is a life. Do you know that the woman with the issue of blood, she said, And when she had heard Jesus was in town. It says when she had heard that Jesus was in town, she rushed to him. I wonder what did she hear about Jesus that made her feel like even with having a blood issue that she can go touch a rabbi. She must have heard something about his life. I heard he's a rabbi, but I heard that he's merciful. I heard he's a rabbi, but I heard that he loves people like me. I heard he's a rabbi, but I also saw and I heard that he heals the blind, that he lifts up the lame. I heard something about him. I want our life to do and speak much louder. In a perfect world, this is what I would love. That the saturation of West Brighton would simply be an overflow of God saturating your life. Paul says, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, as you get up on your feet, we're closing. 
It says no one will ever see God. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Did you hear that? No one's ever going to see God. No one has ever seen God. But look what he says. No one's ever seen God. But if they see God's love through you, it's as if they were already seen him. That people seeing your love is as convincing as people seeing God for himself. So I don't know about you, but I, I want to be the kind of person that the way I live creates an appetite for people to want God. Do you see it? I want people to be a little tempted of my grace and a, a little tempted of my love and a little tempted of my forgiveness. What I mean is like, yo, man, I wish you had my forgiveness. I wish you had my joy. I wish you, like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? Like, how can I get your joy? Well, let me tell you. Hey, you can't take a horse. You can take a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. You can't force them. Oh, but you can make them thirsty. You can't force anybody the gospel, but you can make them thirsty for the gospel. And I think by the way we live, somebody could see our life and be like, I don't know how she went through that divorce. I don't know how she forgave him. I don't know how she was able to be set free from drug addiction. I don't know how she found self-worth, but I want what they have. I want what he has. Is there anybody here in this place that says, Lord, let my life overflow and saturate this world. If you believe that in this place, give God a prayer. So maybe you're here. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to pray. We're going to have our prayer counselors come forward. So, it starts with one. And what if the first one is you today? Maybe you're watching online. You say, I need this saturation first so that I can go. I need to be compelled before I'm challenged. If you're watching online, you say, hey, I want to encounter this love. Just say this prayer, simple prayer, one sentence prayer. Say, Jesus, I receive your love. Therefore, I give you my life. Everything else is going to be a conversation between you and God. Everything else. It's like, what about is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus God? He's going to show it to you. Just receive his love right now and give him your life.